The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. Is that, is that, is that, is that, is that. For six, eight months, I've covered Ole Miss basketball recruiting covered a particular player that Ole Miss was recruiting. And for six to eight months, I called him Kadeem Sai. But no, it's Hadeem C. And now he's an Ole Miss Rebel. Finally, it's done. But I've been calling him the wrong name for so long that it was jarring yesterday when I put up the story, had a nice little creative title, and then boom, realized I've been pronouncing it wrong for way too long. Sis Talk of Champions, I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Bit on Twitter. In the guest co-host chair is Brian Scott Rippey. He works for Super Talk at BS Rippey on Twitter. Hadim C is an Ole Miss Rebel, Rippey. Hadim C, did you know? Did you know that you were pronouncing it wrong? No, and all I had to do was write it, which is why I'm glad we don't do much recruiting at Super Talk, particularly because, like, you know, talking about recruiting on radio doesn't really remove the needle. And so, like, I'm, I'm glad I did it because I wonder how many – how often this happens with kids? Because you remember like Austin Bosfield was Bosfield for three years. Then after three years, he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, it's Bosfield. And then Mohamed Sanogo, I'm pretty sure, was like, my name's Muhammad, not Muhammad. And everyone had just kind of ran with Muhammad. I don't even think people started calling him like the correct one after that. It's still Muhammad. Gunnar Hoglund. It's Hoagland. He, yeah, it's Hoagland. And like they, they need they need like a department or something just on top of this from the time they start recruiting the kid. Yeah. I don't watch all the videos. I don't do all the highlight tapes and stuff like that. I just get the information, and I try to put it couldn't, out there. Couldn't you watch the highlight tape, though, and still not know? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, Unless you I, watch all his interviews with every single person he's ever done, and someone's called him by his name. I'll simply say, the sourcing that I had on this, I mean, I first reported his official visit. I first reported when he arrived on that visit. I first reported on... Many different things about his recruitment. 
And when I got that information, even the sources would call him Kadeem. It's Hadim. Hadim C. You got an NBA player that happens too. So Nikola Jokic's name, nickname is the Joker. So everyone calls him Jokic, but his, his name is 100% not that. It's Nikola Jokic. But like literally, you see people on ESPN call him Jokic. I saw Cowherd do it the other day. It's crazy. It's just part of the business, I think. I yeah, I think it. it's part of it. I was really happy with my title. I had it sigh of relief. <laughs> but then when you think about what his name actually is, how it's actually pronounced, C of relief, it's not as good. It's just not. Well, I saw you change that, and I was about to like text you back. Oh, C of relief kind of works too. Like, not as good, but it wasn't a total flop. Yeah, there's a lot of water of relief. I don't know. I don't know. But Ole Miss did pick up a huge commitment. The last commitment it was waiting on in the spring period. It's a big deal. This is a mailbag talk of champions, and we're going to get to all your questions. And Rippy was so kind enough to come back on and do the mailbag with me once more. But it's a big get for Kermit Davis. What are your thoughts on it? Well, it's like when people – like the cliche thing when people – like when you get a commitment, particularly in basketball, I feel like because the recruitment so wide-ranging, you say he's a perfect fit. But in this case, he actually is a perfect fit. Like he is that player they were missing last year as, you know, kind of – I mean he stretches the floor enough when he made 32 of 103-point shots and he's he's got length and he rebounds. And best I can tell, he defends because I haven't watched a ton of tape, but he played – Started 28 games and played in 32 at Virginia Tech, and it, it sure wasn't for his offense because he scored 4.2 points per game, I think. So, like, this is literally the guy they were missing last year. Yes, athletic, really fits what Kermit Davis looks for in a five. Can stretch out to three, rim protection. You would think that the seven-footer who now transferred to Florida State would be able to provide that rim protection. He did not. Hadim C can do that most certainly. And like I mentioned, this was the piece they were waiting on. Austin Crowley was a huge get for them in April, a four-star wing. This rounds it out pretty well, and they had to fight for him. Pittsburgh and East Carolina were the last two schools, the other two finalists, but now it's done. The only thing that could potentially be left is Jamin Brakefield waiting to see if he does reclassify. There is still a chance there. I know what he said publicly, but there's a chance that he could reclassify. And if that does happen, what a haul it would be. But what a big get. And I think when you project this team forward – they went to the NCAA tournament. Obviously, the new pieces have to do what Kermit Davis and staff recruited them to do, but they have the potential to not only get back, but if everything comes together and you assume that Devontae takes another step, Brian Tyree, all-SEC guard, KJ, Blake, I'll take another step, they can make a little bit of noise. Sweet 16, I don't think, is outside the realm of possibility if everything comes together. Now, that's an, a tall ask, but if it, they all come together, everything comes together, they could be really good. Yeah, I think they're they're an NCAA tournament team again right now, and it'll be interesting. Like they, this team will probably have more balance in the sense that like there was such a stark drop off between the front court and the back court play last year that it almost made them like a a bizarre team to watch because like it just didn't really ever like fit. And so I think you'll see kind of you know Kermit Davis talked about after the Oklahoma game kind of molding the roster into what more of what like his style looks like. And I think you know this get really goes a long way into kind of forging that mold so yeah i think they're a tournament team it's mailbag time you've got mail special mail for you this is a letter to hollywood saying keep it up movies are great all right opening up the mailbag rippy we're going to go through these as quickly as we can I'll probably let you handle all the baseball questions because they're tough questions, and I don't want to deal with them. Shane Abels, at Shane underscore Abels. <laughs> this is a great one to get started on. Is this the most disappointing baseball team we've ever had, considering the talent that is on this team? That's a tough one because, like, in the field, maybe a little bit because you've had a, a guy or two not produce, like, at the plate at the level. You might, but, like, pitching-wise, it just hasn't happened. And I don't, like... I don't know if it's like underperforming to talent or what it is, but like as, as much as people want to make about this team underachieving, like there's just not a lot of arms they can rely on out of the bullpen. And they're still getting essentially nothing out of their third starter. And so like, I, I guess you call it a disappointment because the, the expectation was for these guys to perform better, but for a good bit of them, particularly out of the bullpen, there wasn't much of a track record. Um, so 
Yeah, I guess it's disappointing. I don't know about most disappointing because remember that time about a month ago we went through some of the teams that Bianco had like in the, I guess, 08 to 2012 with all the talent on some of them, and they didn't really do much. So I'd probably say one of those teams is probably the most, but this one's up there. I mean, it's up there because of the expectation. It had holes, though, when you look at two true freshmen in the starting rotation. Zach Phillips has been a bust. He starts tonight. It's been a disappointment. The most disappointing ever? No, but it's certainly up there because of the expectation for the team, the number one draft class, all that stuff. And for them to be so bad against Mississippi State, I think it exacerbates its own issues, if that makes sense. Like losing a state like they have make them more disappointing to people. I would agree with that. The thing is, though, like state is so good. If Ole Miss had just gotten a game, it's a completely different mindset and conversation because you're still right there in the thick of the hosting discussion. Like, yeah, less than ideal to lose to your rival at home. But like state's got all the pieces to win the whole thing. And so, like, if you just got a game, it's kind of like, okay, win two and Knox will make sure you're playing in June at home, at least for a weekend and whatever. Just forget about it. But to get swept in the fashion that they did was uh, that's a tough look. At Boyd ZJ, one, two, three, four. What happened with Ruggs? Some personal stuff he's been dealing with for quite some time, but he couldn't get over one particular issue despite being given every opportunity to do so, and he had no interest in getting past that issue. And his final failure to get past it, to meet the requirements laid out to him by Matt Luke, was the straw that broke the camel's back. That's the most delicate way I can put it. He was never truly happy here. Never really felt like he fit here. But there's some other stuff at play for him. So now he's gone. Talented player, though, Rippy. And it's unfortunate, but he hadn't endeared himself to Tyrone Nix either. So this felt like, after a while, uh, to be an inevitability that he would ultimately be dismissed. Yeah, weird. I don't want to say career trajectory because it lasted a year, but like weird freshman season where he, he earns the start in Houston against Texas Tech to open up the year. I think he concussed himself on a kickoff. I'm not sure if it was the opening kickoff or like the second one, but concusses himself, misses the next game, played in all 11 games he was available for, but just never really cracked back into the rotation consistently after that. I think it's a decent loss, but the fact that he had been moved to outside gives them more de facto depth given that they moved some defensive ends out there too. So I think they'll be okay, but it's it's not nothing. Chandler at W. Crow Lynn. You watching Double or Nothing, that's All Elite Wrestling, the first pay-per-view for All Elite Wrestling. I will. I most certainly will, assuming that, of course, I could actually get it. Are you going to be tuned in, Rippy? Yeah? What is that, Double or Nothing? Yes, it's All Elite Wrestling, Double or Nothing, the first pay-per-view with Cody Rhodes, who founded All Elite Wrestling, the son of Dusty Rhodes, former WWE superstars, Cody Rhodes. Are you going to be watching? No, but I need to get you and Haydad just to like sit me down to explain wrestling, and I could get on it. I'm not anti-wrestling. There's just I feel so overwhelmed trying to learn it by myself because there's so much going on. I, I don't really watch it at all anymore. It's so terrible, so don't feel bad. RebelFan68, what is your interaction with the other beats during games in press box? In the press box. <laughs> For the most part, friendly, unfriendly, or indifferent? <laughs> I, I have a good time. I do, too, for the most part. I mean, look, most – I think I know what he's getting at with the question. 99% of the opposing beats, when you say it's literally just, hey, how are you? You don't even know most of them. Right. And then, you know, there's an occasional dust-up, occasional, you know, people getting on each other's nerves. But I'd say it's very, very rare. Most of the time it's mm, whatever. I like most of the people that cover other SEC teams. Yeah. I bear hug Brian Haydad every time I see him. I like Joel Coleman on the Mississippi State beat. Um, I like Mackenzie Salmon and a few others. I don't know Tyler Horka. I have very little room in my heart for more friends. Me and Bucky Perkins talked about this on the Talk of Champions podcast last week. I, I don't have room in my heart for many more friends. So I'm good. Steve didn't show up this weekend. I don't care about Steve. Steve sucks. But, I mean, other than that, I'm good. I like everybody for the most part. I would co-sign on all of that. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Rebel Fan 68, in my opinion, Ole Miss must win their next six games to host. Would you agree? Um, No, I would not agree with that. If they win their next four, like if they go, if they beat Arkansas State and then they sweep Tennessee, which one, I don't think they're going to do. But if they do that, they're right back in the thick of the hosting conversation. They may need to win a game or two in Hoover, but that's still 18 wins. And if you look at it, that would 
that would jut their RPI presumably between 15 and 18, uh, probably 15 and 17. And so you're right back. Like you pretty much just made up the entire ground. And so I don't think it's going to take as deep of a run in Hoover as, as you would think in terms of him saying six wins, but you know, sweeping Tennessee, I don't, I, I don't think they can do that. Rebel fan 68. If you were writing a book chronicling the last five years at Ole Miss sports, what would you title it? Disappointment and dysfunction. You're getting in the right direction there. Yeah, that's a really good question. If I had like 30 minutes to like write down a couple, I think I could come up with some good ones. Thank you for trying, probably. Can you get like a like a burner phone reference in there, maybe? No? <laughs> Something. <laughs> something. Yeah, just give me some time at some point to like sit down and think about that. I think I can come up with something. Jared Robinson, at Jared underscore R25. Considering the addition of C and other immediate impact players such as Crowley and Hunter, am I assuming too much to think this could be a potential Sweet 16 team? Keyword, potential. I shouldn't say this, but it just came to be back rubs and burner phones. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what's the question? Rub and tug, my life in the shadows. Oh, See, I go too far. Jared Robinson asks, considering all the additions for basketball, is he assuming too much to think that Ole Miss basketball could be a potential Sweet 16 team. Keyword potential. Um, probably not. It's so hard to gauge, though. Like, like I'd like to see it on the floor for a month and see if it fits. But, like, on paper, like, if you're like, this team won two games and made the second weekend, like, it would shock me. I think that they have certainly that potential. But, like I mentioned earlier, as we were talking about Hadim C, not Kadeem Sai, it all depends on it coming together. That's what matters. How does it all fit? When you're adding a bunch of new pieces, it takes some time. And they don't have a trip to Canada to figure themselves out this year. They're actually going to start figuring themselves out in game. So I want to wait and see there. But on paper, yeah, look good. But you got to account for also improvement in the SEC itself. You know that other teams that were good last year are only going to take another step. This league has committed itself to being good in basketball. So Texas A&M going out and hiring Buzz a game-changing hire is Buzz Williams. So there are a number of different factors at play, but for Ole Miss in a vacuum, yeah, I think they have that type of potential if all the pieces click together. I think what helps with Hadim C playing the five now is he brings more to the floor than Bruce or Dom ever could together. Neither one of those players individually have the athletic ability or the upside of Hadim C, but he does have a little bit of character stuff that they're going to have to handle and balance. But I think having his teammate from Daytona State College, Bryce Williams, on the roster, as well as his former teammate from Oak Hill Academy in Virginia, Devontae Shuler on the roster, that could help too. So there are a lot of things at play here, but he's certainly a huge addition for them and fits exactly what Kermit Davis wants out of a five. Dax Barron, now that Game of Thrones is almost over, oh, Maester Daniel and I will be doing A Night is Dark and Full of Spoilers. I think we're recording tonight, but... Um, I'll try to stick to all Ole Miss questions today and answer all your Game of Thrones questions tonight. But anyway, now that Game of Thrones is almost over, I've been exploring my next show options. As much as I hear about The Wire, I've not gone far down that rabbit hole. I did start the series a few years back and start out at four to five episodes. Okay, question is, how long did it take you to get sucked in? That's a great question because here's what happened with me. My brother and I, my twin brother and I, were at Best Buy when you still watch DVDs. And we bought the wire box set because I heard it was so good. And we sat down and started watching it. We get like six episodes in and I look over at my brother and I go, dude, I don't know if I can do this. It was so boring. But episode seven or eight, I can't remember exactly. McNulty and Bunk walk into a house, a house where some crime happened. And they start observing and looking over the house and breaking down what happened. And all they do is use the F word. That's all they say. They look at each other and there's different inflections and reactions using the F word. And I went, oh, that was awesome. And from there on, I got sucked in and it becomes the most engrossing show you ever watch. Those first like four or five or six or seven episodes are all set up and it is boring. But if you push through and stick with it, starting midway through season two, really, it picks up to a place that is unforgettable. And season four of The Wire is the best season of television you'll ever watch. Also, Dax Barron asks, if you had to leave Ole Miss and join any other beat in the SEC, which one would you voluntarily join and why? Uh, LSU. Those guys look like they have a yep. good time. Yep, that was going to be mine. 
LSU. I like the people down there. Yeah. Fun beat. I got a lot of friends down there. Yeah. LSU. That'd be the one. You have to not take yourself seriously on this beat. There are certain beats that take themselves way too seriously. LSU's more my speed. We don't take ourselves seriously on this beat at all. And down there, yeah, I feel like that would work for me. That fit my. There's always two people. They all get along with each other too. It seems like like we went down there for baseball and like they went out like drinking or whatever and had a couple of beers, like you know stuff like that. Like, you don't have to be like best friends, but like it just makes creates an awkward dynamic when people like amongst the beat just like despise each other. You, you have to be able to be cordial. This beat has its issues, but still we're all pretty cordial to each other. Outside definitely of had peaks and valleys. Yeah, but for the most part, everybody's fine. LSU would work for me. That's my speed. Shay Dixon's my dude. Ben Love. There are a lot of guys down there I like a lot. So, yeah, I'd go to LSU. Jamie Lannister fan club at Rebel Sandman. Who could challenge Nikhazy for Friday night starter next year? Anyone? No one. Um, I'd like to see what Hoagland does between year one and year two. I know right now that sounds laughable, but, like, if the Pirates picked him with the first-round selection, there's got to be something more there that hasn't been tapped into or that is just off. And so I'll leave the door open for him to improve, but right now it doesn't look like a whole lot of competition. I mean, particularly with Fowler and Holston having the years they're having. I don't think there's anything Hoagland could do to unseat Nikhazy on Friday nights. Yeah, I just – so there's been times where the Ole Miss's best pitcher, like not necessarily intentionally, is pitched on – Saturday like if Hoagland makes a jump or whatever I could see Mike just sticking with Nikhazy on Saturday it wouldn't shock me I'm not saying it would happen but like it would take a drastic improvement from Hoagland but like I don't think Hoagland would necessarily have to be like head and shoulders better than Nikhazy for that to happen if that makes sense they're going to be able to really pitch it next year that's where they're going to be strongest they're just going to be able to stuff it constantly because offensively they're going to have to figure some things out they're going to need a break like Zabowski coming back for his senior year I don't see why he wouldn't. He has no defensive position. Yeah, like the other guys, other guys, I don't really, I don't see it at all, but Zavowski's one to keep your eye on as far as coming back. Yeah, the rest, eh, yeah, there's no way. I think everybody else, if they can go, they will go. Like Thomas Dillard, yeah, he might not go where he wants to in the draft, but there's nothing he can really do to improve himself. Zabowski, he can't hurt or help himself. He's kind of the same prospect now that he'll be next year, so. If he wants to get another year in, it just depends on what he wants to do, though. That's a personal choice. Jared Robinson, outside of Benito Jones and Alex Givens, is there anybody that could have a big 2019 season and be in the day one or day two conversation of the 2020 NFL draft? Uh, Coatney? Yeah. Kadir Shepard, maybe. Maybe. He can't stay healthy. I would yeah. say Jalen Jones, but we don't know what Jalen Jones is right now. Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, I, I really – I can't think of anyone else. I'm sure there's someone we're missing because, like, unless you have a depth chart in front of you in May, it's kind of hard. But, like, I can't think of anyone else. Scotty Phillips, maybe? Running if you backs. told me he was a day two selection, that wouldn't just completely, like, take – like, blow me away. The NFL has devalued running backs for so long outside of a select few that have gone really early. I, you can find so much depth and so many capable and competent running backs in the middle round. So – Scotty Phillips, I don't know. Day one, no. Day two, that's second and third rounds, man. I don't, I don't think so. So, Alex Givens is that guy. Benito to a point. I think Josiah would be the answer to that. But we still haven't seen Josiah Coatney become what they need him to be, right? We, we don't know exactly what Josiah Coatney's ceiling is. I would agree with that. He's had, like, quietly good stretches, and I think some of that's overshadowed by the defense being so bad, but I would agree, particularly not from a consistency standpoint. I don't know how good Lakia Henry's going to be. Now, if he's every bit as good as they think he is, maybe he's one and done. I highly doubt it. It takes a while for Juco's to get going. I think anyone expecting Lakia Henry, I'm assuming I'm pronouncing his first name right, but I thought I was calling Kadeem Sai or Hadeem C. Kadeem Sai. I thought that was right for so long. So if I'm wrong, forgive me, Lakia. Maybe it's Lakia. I don't know. Heinry. Heinry. <laughs> Lakia Heinry. Um, so, but like Wayne Dorsey was a really good player in his senior year. His junior year, it was getting his footing. A lot of the time with Jukos, it takes six to seven games to become any type of real impact player. So, Waiting on that one, I, I wouldn't feel good projecting him. So, outside of Alex and Benito, I think he hit it. Hit it. It's Josiah Coney. All right, Kyle Varell, most shocking moment of your life. 
little inside joke here. Steve Denson eating beans before Ripley's, my former high school football coach. Or Bianco bunting down two in the eighth. I have far more surprising things that happened under Steve Denson playing high school football. Bianco bunting down two in the eighth and leaving the bunt on when the count got to one-two. I already had a problem with the bunt. I don't believe in bunting unless it's for a hit. I hate giving up an out. Pitcher was in trouble. That was surprising enough, but I've seen it enough with Bianco that, okay, it happened. You just got to resign yourself to that's what his philosophy is. But leaving that bunt on at one-two for Justin Bench to strike out, come on. What was he thinking? Why? And, and Bianco didn't even skip a beat afterwards. It was like, yeah, yeah, you know, tough situation for the kid. Not, no, 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 no. That's like Little League, man. When the bunt gets to one-two, you take it off. You don't leave it on. What are you doing? No. I, yeah, as far, as far as surprising, no. Because, like, I caught – like, like I was just kind of being, like, honestly just being an asshole on Twitter, and I was like, uh, yeah, here comes a dot, 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 bunt. So, like, you, if you knew it was coming before it happened, like, you watched it for 20-plus years, like, is it that surprising? But my favorite part is that was Bench's first start – first start ever, but first game action in two months because he was recovering from a broken hand. So, like, hey, let's throw 90-mile-an-hour fastballs at it. Don't give up an out. The only time bunting is okay is if that's the situation and one run ends the game. Like if that's bottom of the ninth and it's first and second and it's four four, whatever. I can see bunting because then you just have a chance to hit two five balls. Yeah, even I wouldn't bitch that that's much it. about it. I wouldn't bitch that much about that situation. I still think it's dumb, but you're lowering your percentage of scoring. It's very simple. If you have two on and nobody out, there's a greater percentage of you scoring a run than two on and one out. It's not hard. I don't care where his position is. Oh, you can score more guys from third. You can score just as many people from second. Like the same outcomes apply for a man on second with the dude in the box and no outs that they do on third outside of a sack fly. So you're just adding one more outcome. It's not that big percentage of a difference. You're actually hurting your percentages when you give them an out. But even I wouldn't complain or take that much of an issue because I understand that a little bit more. When, like you said, you're down one, but down two, you're looking for a big inning. Why are you bunting? You're playing for one run when you need two. Yeah, take the bunt off. Kill the bunt. Bunts suck. They're terrible. They're counterproductive. It's a regressive, horrible idea. Cole Woods, at Cole Miss 22, is Mike Bianco the less miles of college baseball? He's a good enough coach to never suck but his stubbornness and inability to adapt have made him a largely ineffective coach. Largely ineffective is not fair at all. I mean, if you want to call him a football coach, I think Mark Richt is a more apt comparison than Les Miles. He's not been ineffective. Ole Miss baseball was nothing before Mike Bianco. He, he made Ole Miss baseball into what it is. He's a victim lately of his own success. But I completely understand why people are frustrated and why they're ready to move on. If Andy Kennedy's tenure at Ole Miss had grown stale, then what do you call what's happening right now with baseball? So I get it. I understand it. But ineffective, largely ineffective? No, I don't agree with that at all. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think the comparison's rigged. Ineffective, not fair at all. I mean, he did. He Ole Miss baseball was – that's where the one like rub I have is when like fans or whatever will tweet us stuff like, we deserve better and stuff like that. Like where, where can you point to at any time in Ole Miss baseball's history to where like they were performing at a level above this and therefore fans should expect that. I'm not saying you shouldn't move on from Bianco. I get the stale thing and it's probably if they fade out, it may be time, but like, like let's not act like they're, they're like performing below a standard that was set before him. Like this guy created the standard. Yeah. And that's what you got to weigh it against. And that's where he's become a victim of his own success. So largely ineffective yeah. is not fair at all. It's just wrong. But I do understand where fans are coming from wanting a fresh new perspective. I get it. Hell, I want a fresh new perspective of baseball environment and atmosphere. I'm sick of hearing the same songs, seeing the same promos, the same boring solo cup race. Everything is the exact same experience. Just play something other than getting jiggy with it. I don't know. Solo Cup has me on the edge of my seat every time. I never know when that yellow is going to win. <laughs> it used to be something that everyone got into. Just let yellow win. This is stupid. Well, You're like year five of this. Just let it happen. Oh, God. Dakota Wills at DWills56. Media and fans both have stated this upcoming season will be the judgment year for Luke. Has everybody said that? 
if he goes I, below 500. With the recent hires and late rebound and recruiting, has Luke bought himself another year or so? I think so. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, I think it, unless it's a complete and utter disaster, like 2-10, and 10, I think he's got at least two years this year and the next. Yeah, I would agree with that. Barring total disaster, like if it's 2-10 and 10, uh, you know, and there's fire in the streets of Oxford, like I could understand it. But like if they're competitive and they look different and they're competing and to win four to six games, like he's going to get another year because this is two new coordinators who at least appear to know what they're doing in an incredibly young football team. So if there were ever such thing as a reset year, like this is it. Like this is the year where you're just kind of looking at so much new across the board and being like, how is this going to grow? And to your point, if it's two and 10 and they're not growing at all, and it's a complete train wreck, then you got to make a move. But if there's any signs of improvement at all, I think he buys himself another year or two. Hunter Kinneberg at Hunt Kinneberg. Could John be the new King Queen Slayer or will it be Arya? It's a Game of Thrones question. Maester Daniel's going to answer all of your Game of Thrones questions in the night is dark and full of spoilers, but John's going to kill the queen. That's what's going to happen. Hunter Kinneberg. Oh, spoiler alert for those who haven't watched Game of Thrones. Spoiler alert. Brian's never going to watch it, so who cares? Again from Hunter Kinneberg. More ridiculous. Game of Thrones Season 8 or the Ole Miss Spirit Message Board? Oh, Game of Thrones Season 8. The Spirit Message Board is what it is. This this isn't new. There's never been a time when I've been on the beat, and that's been like over 10 years, that the Ole Miss Spirit Message Board, my message board, hasn't been some level of nuts. But Game of Thrones for six seasons outside of Season 5 and a lot of Season 6, so four seasons and a little bit of Season 6, has always been a different level of show. So for it to be so incredibly disappointingly bad in season eight that that's the most ridiculous that, that that's what it is darby mccraney at mccraney darby who do you expect back as a senior in baseball and who do you see as the starting middle infielders for next season oh um middle infielders i'll go through video and bench um and as far as returning as a senior zabowski Crazy, maybe, and I'm honestly just trying to think if I'm missing anybody. Austin Miller, yeah, Miller, and in Myers a junior, yeah. Uh, if Myers left, it wouldn't stun me, but I would say that I would put those two in there. Yeah, if, if Miller left, it wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, I mean either one. Of the, I can't. I have such a bad gauge with relief pitchers and like where they're gonna, like, like kind of how they project. So like. Because like a college starter is much easier to project to see what they are, whether they're a reliever starter at the next level and like how they're going to fare. Relievers, I can't really tell. So, yeah, I'll go with that. This is Talk of Champions, a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available in SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your modern woodman representative. It wasn't so long ago. I'm talking a couple of months where financially I needed some help. Not that I was struggling but getting my finances in order, organizing my money so that I'm in the best position for retirement, preparing for college for my kids, and everything else. I'm sure most every one of you can relate. And that's why you should do like me and contact Thomas Chandler today. He's your local modern woodman representative, and he'll get you right for retirement or savings or whatever you need. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. What does modern woodman do, though, you might ask? Financial security for you and your family through life insurance, financial planning, and financial services. Quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities. And community impact through volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. It's time to get rid of your financial burden. Contact Thomas Chandler, 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Or you can check him out at www.modernwoodman.org www.modernwoodman.org. That's Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. The podcast is also brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there recently. And you're just looking to get the best deal. And if that's the case, to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell right now. So you, the consumer, need to make sure you're taking advantage of all the deals available to you from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. And what separates Alan Samuels is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans and they'll want to talk some Ole Miss baseball, basketball, spring football just wrapped up. 
football coming up in the fall and, of course, Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. But above all else, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible and get you what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford today. That's just past Kroger, Allen Samuels, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Allen Samuels, let's be friends. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippy at BS Rippy. Works for Super Talk Mississippi. You can hear him talking every afternoon. Read his stuff on supertalk.com. Is that what it is? Yes, yeah, supertalk.fm. Nailed it. Ty Driscoll at True Rebel underscore 99. How bad do we need Hadim, not Kadim, Hadim to be good as soon as he gets on campus if we get him? They did get him. And they need him to be good immediately. But I don't think anyone should sleep on Carlos Curry as far as helping this team, contributing in some way. They really like Carlos Curry, 6'10". He changed his body over his redshirt season. They always played redshirt. He hadn't been playing basketball that long. But this was a coveted kid. Florida State wanted him. Oklahoma wanted him. They liked this player. They liked the progress that he made. Can really rebound the ball, be a presence of some kind at the rim. You don't want to rely on him for starter minutes, but giving you something every night, eight to ten minutes potentially, I think he can do that. I think they like what he's done, his growth in his redshirt freshman season. And pairing him with Hadim C is that much better. They couldn't go into it with just Carlos Curry and then someone else, like if they had to, after missing on Hadim C, go and look for a grad transfer or something that they didn't love as much as this player. I think that changes the dynamic a little bit, but having him here and allowing them to play off of each other, I think helps as does Sammy Hunter, who's completely positionless. He can play anywhere they need him to play. Assuming of course he picks up on things pretty quickly. And then KJ Buffing can play the five and the four. So they have options. Now this is the final piece though, to where you don't have to overextend players in certain areas like a Sammy Hunter or KJ playing more minutes at the five when he's better at the four or Carlos Curry stepping into a semi joining starting role with whoever else they would have added had they missed on him. So I think it's important. So they need him to be good, but I don't think they need him to be all-world at any point next year. Maybe all-world as a senior, assuming he stays. But next year, just be what they recruited you to be, athleticism at the rim, rim protection, stepping out to three, spacing. Those are the things. Be proficient in those areas. And if you are, Ole Miss is going to be a good basketball team. I would agree with all of that. Golly, that easy. Okay. Yeah. Like, you're expecting him to be good, but to your point, there's other pieces. Like, I would like to see how it all fits first, and they, they have other options. Like, it would have been a, it would have been more pressure, like you said, if they whiffed on him and then tried to get a grad transfer that they didn't necessarily like as much. There'd probably be more pressure on that kid to be good immediately, no? Yeah, yeah. I, I just think with him, there's going to be this huge expectation. You need to temper those expectations a little bit. I don't think that Hadim C is going to come in and set your world on fire immediately. He's still developing. But he's older. He's played at this level before. There shouldn't be so much of a learning curve. Chemistry does matter in basketball, though. So how all of these new pieces blend in with what's already here, it'll be interesting. Like Devontae and Brienne and TD and Dom and Bruce, they'd all played together for a full year. So there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. There is no Canada for this team. They're not going to go anywhere. You have to, if you go on a foreign trip, you have to skip a year, and then you can go on one again. So Ole Miss has to skip it this year. They can't go to somewhere. They're not going anywhere. They would have been well-served to have a trip this year, but they don't have that. So it's going to take some time is all I'm saying. Just temper your expectations. But it's an important get, and they need him to make an impact. But do they need him to be all league or something? No, they don't need him to be that. All right, Seabert at – N-O-L-E-R-S. I say Noller Swamp. Okay. If Ole Miss Sports were a roller coaster, <laughs> which would it be and why? Probably a roller coaster at Dollywood or something, right? Like the lightning rod or the wild eagle. Are you like a big roller coaster guy? Like I'm not like afraid of roller coasters, but like I don't like go actively like seeking out like a bucket list of which ones to ride. Yeah. Um Old Rickety in Tennessee. So like a Dollywood roller coaster makes sense to me. I would say like the lightning rod at Dollywood. I was thinking like the somewhat stable one at the Jackson State Fair. Like, <laughs> there's a chance you're going to die, but maybe not. Corey at Pontotoc underscore Rebel. Uh-oh, it's a Game of Thrones question. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. So listen to The Night is Dark and Full of Spoilers. Corey, I will answer your question. Actually, Mr. Daniel will, so that's coming up in just a little bit. David Robinson at David L 515 
How has Ross Bjork kept his job? Ooh, the job definition of an AD is institutional control, and lack of it resulted in NCAA probation. Also, Bjork violated Nutt's separation agreement, which got Ole Miss sued and exposed Freeze, who got fired. Freeze exposed Freeze, man. Bjork's been yeah. awful. Why is he still here? Well, to be fair, under Ross Bjork, facilities have been completely overhauled, something that was impossible to get done for so long under other athletics directors, penny-pinching athletics directors like football expansion, basketball arena, baseball improvements, stuff you don't even think about like track and field. There was a sinkhole under the track and field complex or tennis improvements, golf improvements, and they have one under him too. And he's made good hires with Mike Smith and Kermit Davis and Coach Yo and think what you want about Matt Luke. But if you're going to say all the bad, you have to at least acknowledge the good. I'm not telling you what to think about Ross Bjork. I'm not defending Ross Bjork. But I don't think it's fair to say that he's been awful. Just like I didn't think it was fair to say that Mike Bianco has been overall ineffective. That's not fair. I think what's fair is to add context and nuance to all of this. And it's only fair to say that, yes, there have been some issues. And I completely understand with those who can't get over Ross Bjork with the NCAA stuff. Even though I do think that there is an opinion out there from other ADs and other school administrators, coaches, what have you, that believe that he did the best he could with what was ultimately a predetermined outcome to where the NCAA believed this is what we think you did. This is what we're going to punish you for, regardless of the evidence. And Ross Bjork did a good job of mitigating what he could, considering that the NCAA was going to get Ole Miss no matter what. So I understand those who are frustrated and have problems with Ross Bjork. He's been on this podcast a number of times, and I've asked him very direct and hard questions about this. But I also think you have to give the dude his due with good things as well. So I think it's a little bit more than that than just say, oh, Ross Bjork is just this terrible AD. I, I just don't think that's both fair to him or even true for that matter. I, I think there's a little bit more to it than that. I would agree with all of that. And if you're talking about it from the sense like this guy's asking the question, it sounds like he he doesn't like the job Ross Bjork's done. He's fed up with it. And he's asking why he's still here. In its simplest form, there's no one to show him the there's no one in place to show him the door. There's no one here. And so, although I like that's why, like if, if you're framing it like that, that's probably the biggest reason why. But to your point, it hasn't been all bad, and he did a decent job mitigating damage against a predetermined outcome. And I agree with the facilities part too. But from this guy's vantage point, where he just seems baffled as to why Ross is still here, you got to remember that that's a big, that's a big part of it. I, yeah. I, 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 I think it's a complicated, nuanced issue because I think Ross has done some things really well and some things he probably could have handled better. I would pretty much agree with your sentiment, but from his standpoint, the guy asking the question, you got to remember there's no one in place to 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 oust him. Yeah, that's the big thing for me. It isn't personal. I know it's personal for Ole Miss fans because this is something you care about more than anything else, and I understand that. I sympathize with that. But it's our jobs, me and Rippies, to look at it fairly and to look at it in a balanced way. You have to have a perspective on it other than I'm pissed off, get him out of here, and understand the dynamics of play and also acknowledge how Ole Miss has moved forward in many respects underneath Ross Bjork. So I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. But if your opinion is completely molded by the NCAA stuff, I'm not going to tell you how to feel about that. I completely get that. I do. I understand your frustration, your disappointment. Like there are some that say, oh, well, look at ticket sales and attendance. Well, football is the moneymaker, and that's a big deal. And if ticket sales are historically bad, which I don't think they will be, uh, they have grown. I think from the last bit of information I got there, they're certainly underneath what they're used to getting. But it's tracking better than it was, and it's not that far off. And it, But if attendance is down in football and almost isn't any good and they just can't you know, figure it out and – yeah, those are problems. And ultimately, ADs are measured on your most high-profile sport. And Ole Miss's most high-profile sport, fairly or not, is football. So there is something to that. But again, I, I think that in this discussion, you have to consider all the dynamics at play. I, I don't think it's fair to Ross Bjork, his family, or anybody, Ole Miss, whatever, to just look at the one side that you don't like or whatever it might be. Rebel Fan 68 if you could give truth serum to anyone you have ever had interaction with in your job, who would it be and why? Could be coach, player, or another writer. Oh, my oh I've God. got, I've got, I've got a couple. Riley Blevins. Oh, that'd be good. 
yeah. Uh, someone mentioned that the other day is why that came to front of the mind so quick. So that's that's one that jumped off the page. What's your first one? Oh man. Uh Hugh Freeze for sure. For sure. Okay, here's a counter to that. I'm not sure truth serum would even get that guy to tell the complete truth. Are we sure it would work? Yeah, it would have to work. <laughs> if you can promise me it would work, I have so many questions for Hugh Freeze. First and foremost, what was that conversation like with Mike Sheridan? What actually did you say? What did he say? Can I stretch this out to the NCAA? Or can I stretch this out to Dan Wolken? If I can just stretch this out to Dan Wolken, I got a lot more questions for Dan Wolken that he's never answered. And he's been on this podcast and didn't answer them. Your answer is probably the best. Wouldn't another one be Barney Farrar? Barney's been truthful. Yeah. I, I, you don't need to give Barney truth serum. Barney's laid it out there, man. I don't know, man. In terms of the exit and him being the fall guy, wouldn't it be kind of interesting to get some truth serum in him and just talk about the aftermath? I would put truth serum in Dan Mullen. Ooh, that's, that's a good guy. one. Yeah, that's what I would do. Dan Mullen, 100%. I'd ask him about Leo and Kobe. I'd ask him about Scott Strickland and the role they played. I'd ask him about his recruiting tactics. Dan Mullen. Second, Hugh Freeze. If, yeah, he, if you can promise me that stuff works, Hugh Freeze. <laughs> that would just be, be too good. He might need a double dose. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like uh, Hugh would have a high tolerance. Rebel Fan 68 what is your take on the debacle happening down in Gainesville? Mullen struggling to hold on to his recruits. I don't know what to make of that. I really don't. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. But I don't know if I have a real take on it. Do you? Not really, other than the fact that he's won. Like, he made a, a killing winning at Mississippi State with lesser talent, lower-rated guys that he molded into good players. And while that necessarily probably isn't good enough to win at the level you need to at Florida, is there just a default floor to Florida's recruiting where it's so easy and it's so good he's just going to get better players than he did at State by default? And if that's the case, what can he do with them? What is the ceiling? That's what I'll be interested to figure out because I don't think he's ever – I think they probably knew this when they hired him. He's not going to be the ever like the guy that gets like a bunch of four and five stars. I know that sounds stupid with it being at Florida, and you're going to have to get some, but him like mop, not mopping up on the recruiting trail is not surprising to me. Or that he's got some certain players that – are not happy with how things are once they get on campus. Because Dan Mullen, everybody lies in recruiting. Dan Mullen is in a level all by himself. Nobody does it like Dan Mullen as far as the crap he says in recruiting. So if the reality doesn't meet what they were sold, that wouldn't surprise me. But that's mostly just because I hate Dan Mullen. I, I don't really have a great take on that. I will say, Dan Mullen is a hell of a coach. So whatever he does have on campus, they'll be competitive. He can make pretty much any team he has competitive. It's like Buddy Hall and Juco. Buddy Hall said one time, just give me a couple of good players, the band and the cheerleaders, and I'll win 10 games. I, I think Dan Mullen's like that. You can, you can give him pretty much any type of personnel, and they're going to be competitive. Wes Franklin, Seth Rollins or AJ Styles? Seth Rollins, what about Fat Thor? It's the best part of Avengers Endgame. And then a Game of Thrones question. We'll save that for Maester Daniel. Okay, Jamez at Homawicha1422. Apex or Fortnite? I've only played Fortnite, and I was bad at it. I never finished better than second, and I gave up. So I would say Unreal Tournament on Sega Dreamcast. That's the best shooter ever. Do you play Apex or Fortnite? Play for, I've played Fortnite. I don't know what Apex is. I, I'm young, but I'm not that young anymore. I'm 32. About to be 33. I'm not hip to everything anymore. This, it's more of an indictment on you, Rippy, that you don't know what Apex is than me. So I'm actually about to buy a gaming system, but I want to do my homework first because I don't want to buy one and then the new PlayStation or the new Xbox come out like six months later and be like, why the hell did I do that? So I'm actually in the market for a gaming system. PS4. Unless the PS5 is coming out like within the next year, then you just wait on it. That's what I've got to look up. Yeah, that's what you got to find out. Crawford P at CPPPP, whatever it is. Is Jerry on Ely going the baseball route or coming to Oxford? I know there's been rumblings of stuff about him coming to campus, but I just, to me, I, I and like I want to see it when someone flashes that much money in his face. I would probably still say baseball. What percentage would you put it on right now? 70, 65. Ooh, you're that high. It's just to, like kids, particularly with kids like that, like it's, 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 I don't know if recency bias is the right phrase, but he'll be in like baseball mode. Like what they will have just finished a high school baseball season. Like how, how like is football going to be on the forefront of his mind when that decision's made. That's interesting. I never really thought about that. It's a good point. It's a good. I think the closer we get to the draft in June, 
the more I think he ends up in school. Okay, that's fair. Now, would it surprise me? No, I still expect him to go play baseball. But like I said, the closer they get to the draft, the more because it's like draft report isn't the same sparkling draft report. But there's still plenty out there that have him in the first round. How much money do teams have slotted? Can they pay him above slot if he does go a little bit further? That's what you got away too. Are they going to pay him his slot money, or are they going to pay him what they can because they have extra money left over from what they did or did not give their first round pick? So there's plenty of stuff to be at play there. So right now, I would agree with you. I still expect him to go play baseball, but the closer they get, the more I think Ole Miss has a great chance of keeping him. Rebel Yale. He's very toolsy, right? Like I, I'm not going to pretend to have watched him play a bunch of baseball, but I've read stuff like 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 I can't figure out his draft like profile. Yeah, he's real toolsy. I don't know if there's a ton of power in there. He's yeah. a one-speed guy, and that's not part of the game as much as it used to be. So will that be devalued in the draft? I don't know. I just don't see a lot of pop in that bat. He can run defensively. I think he can, he can grade out at plus, but I don't think he's plus right now. I think there's a lot of range left to be discovered in his glove. So he's going to have to win it with his glove and then add power. And he has the frame and the build to bring power out of him in the minor leagues. But that's something like Christian Pache for the Braves was not a power guy when they signed him. And then he got into baseball. They got their hands on him, and now he's hitting bombs and playing elite defense. That's what Jerrion Ely needs to become, like a Christian Pache, to where your defense first, your glove first, you can run. You have to become plus at that and then add in the areas in which they want you to add to fill out your frame. And Jerrion Ely needs to be able to hit for some power, and right now he's not doing it. So if he can develop into that, if one team believes they can tap into that potential for him, then he becomes a real thing for Major League Baseball. I think one team will take that chance. I think there is plenty of that in there, or enough of that to where they can bring it out of him, make him that kind of player. Rebel Yell, do we host or nah? <laughs> That's the simplest question we've gotten so far, and I kind of appreciate it. I will lean no, but nothing this team's done this year, for better or for worse, has shocked me. So if they do go up to Knoxville and sweep, um, you know, I won't be stunned, but like I, I, I can't in good faith be like, yeah, they're still good. They're going to host. What's the road to hosting? That's a tough question to answer because I would sort of equate the last like 15, 14 to 16 trying to figure out the last three host sites is sort of like the NCAA tournament bubble this year where it's just like nothing. It's very underwhelming. And so like they're going to it's going to be one of those where you kind of got to find the last three. Like at the end of the day, you got to find 16. And so I think the clearest path is to sweep Tennessee and not go to and through in Hoover, and I think they're okay. There is, I guess, a scenario where they take two of three in Tennessee and then get extremely hot in Hoover, and like I think that's playing to Friday, probably Saturday, to have a chance, and I'm not even sure if that would be enough. So it's probably sweeping Tennessee. Ryan Wiggins at RZ Wig. Guilty pleasure movie, minus Princess Bride. How is that a guilty pleasure movie? The Princess Bride... Is just a good movie. Well-reviewed. Everybody loves The Princess Bride. Why would that be a guilty pleasure? A guilty pleasure is a bad movie that you love anyway. And there's so many movies like that for me. But first and foremost is The Replacements. The Replacements is my guilty pleasure movie. That's a bad movie. But I watch it every time I see it on, come on TV. Is there a guilty pleasure movie for you? Oh. See, I'm so like like dumb in terms of cinema. I don't know it's bad and good. I yeah. watched I watched a movie called What Happens in Vegas the other day with Ashton Kutcher. That's a really like, good guilty pleasure movie. Yeah, okay, That's good. Because I watched that four or five times. And I was like, this movie's really not that good, but I kind of like it. I did the same thing with that exact movie. <laughs> I can't remember where I was, but I was in a hotel room by myself. I think I was going to like a job interview or something like that. But I remember I rented What Happens in Vegas because I'd seen all the good movies that were available to me. So I went, eh, why not? I'm bored. I cut it on, and I remember watching it going, I got exactly out of that movie what I wanted. That was fine. That <laughs> yeah, was like, fine. It was like really dumb. It sucks, but I'm not going to stop watching. It had all these really lame and cheesy gambling references, like, you can bet on me. It's fine. It was fine. <laughs> it's what I wanted out of that movie. Cameron Diaz, Ashton Kutcher, who can't act his way out of a paper bag. It's fine. So that's a really good guilty pleasure movie. Another one for me, 50 First Dates with Drew Barrymore. Oh, that is a good one because yeah. that's such a shitty movie. It's bad. But Adam Sandler at the end when they're on the boat in Antarctica fishing, where do they all sleep on that boat? That's not a big boat. 
How do you live in the freezing I, cold ice fishing with a woman with amnesia? I know you, you play the video for and she meets her children or child every single morning and her dad's there, but it's asking a lot, but still, it's fine. I like it. It does what it needs to do for me. So 50 First Dates and The Replacements, those are my two movies. But what happens in Vegas, I didn't even think about that. That's a perfect one. You just fell into that one. I'm jealous. That's great. Does uh, does Knocked Up count? <laughs> oh, no, that's actually a well-reviewed good movie. That's a good movie. Okay. Yeah. It like, is. Forgetting I, I Sarah Marshall is a I good movie. I think it's movie. stupid, though. Yeah, of course it's stupid. Seth Rogen's on the poster. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good movie. You know what movies suck that were well-reviewed? The Spider-Man trilogy with Tobey Maguire. Those movies suck. Yeah, I actually watched those. I didn't, I'm not even that big of a Spider-Man guy in general, but I did not enjoy you? those. How dare you? Spider-Man's far and away the best superhero ever. Anybody can wear the mask. Spider-Man's the best. The best comic book movie ever is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, and I will argue that till my death. Dan, at Dan F. Miller, with Hadim C. on board, Will his personality mesh with Kermit's coaching style? I think so. I think Kermit is a chameleon. Every kid wants to be coached. Very few you will find don't want to be coached. So when you play for Kermit Davis, he tells you, this is what I do. This is the expectation. But there's a method behind the madness. So when you come in, you're going to be coached hard, but it's from a place of, I'm trying to get you to where I think you can be. So I think his personality will mesh. Now, there will be a little bit of a learning curve, as there is with any new player in a system. But if he listens, and if he could get Brian Tyree to buy in, and TD, who was dealing with some stuff, to completely buy in, and Devontae Shuler completely buy in, I don't think he'll have a problem with Hadim C. Like I mentioned, he's a coaching chameleon. And I think any player, any personality can fit with him because it's a tried-and-true formula. I'm going to coach you hard. I'm going to love you up off the court, and we're all in this together. I think that's something that blends well with pretty much anybody. Do you think there'll be any problem there personality-wise? I'm so bad at that, and I'm not even close to a shrink. So, no, I'll say Kermit will handle it okay. That's the better answer. That's the smart answer. Chris Ritchie, if George R. R. Martin finishes the books, doubtful, with the same spoiler alert narrative, does it redeem the TV series? No. It is hinted at that this is the end game. This will be the end game. I believe that is... What's going to happen? It doesn't redeem what season eight is because they didn't earn this in any single way, shape, or form. We'll talk about it more than the night is dark and full of spoilers. Look out for that with me and Maester Daniel later today. Nate, at Nate underscore Bloomberg, if you were to lose your hand like spoiler in Game of Thrones, what would you replace your missing hand with? A back scratcher. If you had a missing hand, what would you do? Probably a golf club for you. Second penis. I'd probably go golf club. Oh, there's no recovering from that for me. Oh, God. Oh, Dan at Dan F. Miller. Does Luke. (laughs) Okay. Does Luke get enough tune? I'm going to think you're saying time. Does Luke get enough not tune time to make it his program? How do we or Bjork judge when the program is his? I think it's his now, don't you? He's got his own personnel in here. It's his stuff. It's his system. It's his coaches. It's his program. Yeah. Does he get enough time to, I guess, like get it off the ground? I don't know. I I think this year is a huge indicator of that because I think if they're okay, they're competitive for, you know, five and seven, six and six, then, yeah, I think he will get enough time. If it's not good, you know, three and nine or whatever, then he'll probably have immense pressure going into 2020, and that could be the end. So I think you'll know a a lot more about that after this season. Dan F. Miller, assuming a change is made, I've often heard that if he was interested in coaching Ole Miss, Dan McDonald probably wouldn't be interested in replacing a fired Bianco. Truth to that, yes. Would Godwin have a similar loyalty? Would either even be the best potential fit? Godwin would come if he was offered the job. Yeah, I think Dan would – Dan obviously not – Godwin, there's not the same like type of loyalty thing. Godwin would come. McDonald replacing a fire Bianco, I don't think so. But money talks. So if you really were committed to getting Dan McDonald and you offered him X amount of money to be the highest paid coach in the SEC, give him something to think about. I don't think a change is going to be made. But if they completely fall off the face of the earth, we're going to have, be having a conversation. That's just what's going to happen. Godwin would take the job. Also, Dan says, Spider-Verse is very good. I don't know about best. It's the best. 
it's the best, and for a number of different reasons. First and foremost, what makes Spider-Man great is Peter Parker just happened to be the dude who got bit by a spider, meaning that you or me or anyone could have been Peter Parker and then be Spider-Man. But why does Spider-Verse, why is it the best comic book movie of all time? Because it opens up the world, the Spider-Verse. It's not just Peter Parker. It's Miles Morales. It's Gwen Stacy. It's Spider-Man Noir. It's Peter Porker. Now you've added so many possibilities. And even now, Marvel is borrowing off of that idea in the new Spider-Man movie coming out July with Mysterio as the bad guy. Not only does Spider-Man have the best collection outside of Batman of villains, but the superhero himself, anybody can relate to that. Peter Parker didn't choose to be bitten by a spider. He chose to be Spider-Man. And that resonated in Spider-Verse. And it showed, again, expanding that, that anybody can be that. So we can all relate to that. And the way in which they took Miles on his journey to becoming the new Spider-Man. And the visuals, and the music, and the bad guys, Kingpin, Ultimate Marvel Spider-Man, Norman Osborn as Green Goblin. It's the best Spider-Man movie ever and the best comic book movie ever because it looks like a comic book. It plays like a comic book. It's not super serious. It's the best. I know Brian really cares. White Flanos at mbullock 77 What is your favorite Thanos quote from either Infinity War or Endgame? I am an inevitability. That is the dopest line a villain can ever have in a movie. Sippy Reb, would you rather Cliff Godwin or Andy Cannizzaro replace Bianco? I don't have an opinion on that. Yeah, I, 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 I don't have an opinion. Um, I think Ole Miss people would probably rather have Godwin. Like, just, Cannizzaro would create such a strange dynamic. You're replacing the most successful coach in school history with a guy who lasted a year at Mississippi State and resigned because he was essentially sexting in the dugout. You can't do that. Probably weird. Probably weird enough. And, like, given this university's recent history of phones and yep. stuff, like, that's just a that that's a place that I wouldn't want to go to. It's a non-starter. It's a non-starter. Look in the football coaching search. Ole Miss eliminated any and all candidates that had any off the field issues. Charlie Strong, Mike Norvell, completely took them off the board. So if you think that they did that in football, you really think with everything that Hugh Freeze dealt with with phones that they're going to bring on Andy Andy Canizzaro? No. No. And th- this shouldn't matter, but the fact that he coached at like state so recently, that would just like that would create narratives if they sucked that just didn't need to be created. I, I don't know. That would be an altogether weird hire. Yeah. That didn't work for me. Hunter Kinneberg, as of right now, is Bianco back next season? I don't think that's possible to answer. Because in all actuality, people are all up in arms about them losing to state i get that they've lost 14 to 16 people care about the rivalry people are mad but what was from the very jump from the beginning of february to the beginning of fall wherever you want to start with this team what was going to be the determiner as to whether they were success or not what happens in the postseason and what happens in june and we're not there yet and so like i don't see how you can accurately answer that question because as as mad as people are now say if they don't host if they go through and win a regional for the first time on the road under bianco then like he's back, even though the the regular season did not go how people wanted it. And so like I don't think you can answer that yet. I have no clue. I think that's perfectly put. It was always about the postseason. It's still all about the postseason. To be determined what happens in the postseason once they get there. I think that's absolutely right. All right, two more. OM Hoops HQ. What do you think next year's basketball team ceiling is? Does your answer change if Jamin Brakefield reclassifies and chooses the Rebels? Sweet 16, and it doesn't really change much with Jamin Brakefield because if you get in the Sweet 16, it's a roll of the dice. Who's best on that day? Because at that point, all the teams are good. All the teams are pretty much the same. So I think the ceiling, if I had to put it on it right now, not knowing all that much about what the team is because you got to see all the pieces come together, I think they get further than last year. They If they got bounced in the first round, second round, and if you get through the second round, you got the Sweet 16, so that could be a ceiling. Does it change with Jamin Brakefield? No, because at that point, it's a roll of the dice. OM Hoops HQ. Also, did Pavilion season ticket sales break records this year? I think so. I think so. With the disappointment in baseball and football and basketball, having all the momentum of all the major sports, I could see that. 
Yeah, I, I, that wouldn't shock me at all. People are interested. The team's good. People were fired up about last year. Uh, you know, not a ton of excitement in the sports around it. So, yeah, I could see that. He's Brian Scott Rippey. I'm Ben Garrett. This has been a mailbag talk of champions at BS Rippey on Twitter, at Spirit Ben, brought to you by Cheney's Pharmacy. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney's Pharmacy. Chinese pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Rippy, man, tell people where they can check out your stuff. What are you working on right now? Uh, I've got a baseball notebook going out later today, but you can find it at supertalk.fm. Uh, we have a podcast called the Rebel Report Podcast. You can find that wherever podcasts are to be had. And then we are at supertalk.fm. Put a lot of thought in that name, the Rebel Report. It's very on brand, like Sports Talk Mississippi radio show, Rebel Report podcast. Simplistic. You live to disappoint, my friend. <laughs> if you got a better name out there, uh, tweet it to me and we'll take suggestions. Are you going to Tennessee this weekend? Uh, negative. I have a uh, wedding in Memphis. All right, so give me the really quick, like 30 second to a minute preview of Ole Miss, Tennessee. I know nothing about Tennessee. Shock. Tennessee. Right Pitches it decently well. It's kind of misleading because the ERA and SEC plays higher than like you would think. They pitch it okay. They don't hit it hit very well. They're fighting for their postseason life. Um, but I don't think they're that good of a baseball team. So I think Ole Miss takes two. I just don't think they're like that. I don't think they're like sweeping on the roads hard is basically how I put it. And I, I don't think they'll do that. So I think Ole Miss will take two. Which sport is more successful next year? This is from Spirit Ben for the mailbag. Football, basketball, or baseball? Ooh. I think I'll go basketball. Kind of have to right now. Yeah, I, I, that makes the most sense. Yeah, that sport has all the momentum right now. Any show you're watching right now, don't watch Game of Thrones. Don't start it. Read the books. Uh, billions. You told me that was good. Oh, uh, it's awesome. So, like, I the my current TV setup, I don't have Showtime, so I actually last night broke down and bought a HBO Go account. So I'd watch the first couple episodes at different places, and now I'm like, catching up on this season so i got like three or four more episodes to go to catch up it's on season four barry's the best show on tv right now check it out on hbo watch barry you'll dig barry i'll have to check that one out billions is pretty solid he's brian scott rippy thanks man i appreciate it sounds good this is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design the kind of experience you can only find in a lexus suv a feeling this empowering is invite only fortunately you're invited Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.